episode 3245 of the number one podcast in Apple Podcast Job Search. This is OBS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Alton, the Big Game and welcome. Now, if you're seeing me on camera, eh, I'm not exactly dressed my best. I just got off the elliptical having uh, listened to this interview that I did with Christine Campbell, and I just wanted to get it out so there was no delay. So, didn't change, just put on a, uh, a fleece on top of my uh, t-shirt from the elliptical. It was a good workout, by the way. And here we're talking about behavioral interview questions and how to answer them well. Hope you find this helpful and give it a great review wherever you listen to the show. And just as an aside, I've got a short book available for Kindle, and this could be for the Kindle app for your iPhone or iPad, uh, on Amazon, and um, look for my book there. Hope you have a terrific day. Hope you enjoy this show. And now, let's get going. So my guest today is Christine Campbell. Christine is a job search and interview coach with an MA in career development and experience working with career counseling clients across many fields and industries, most of whom work in Silicon Valley up to and including a director level. Her expertise is coaching professionals to create powerful stories to address behavioral interview questions so that she can walk into interviews feeling prepared. Christine, welcome. Thank Thank you for making time today. This is so great. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. My pleasure. And folks, we're going to have fun today. I know this already. (laughs) So you started in career counseling since transition into interview coaching. What made you segue into job interview coaching? I feel like that's the biggest ROI besides the resume where just an hour with a good coach can take a job seeker to the next level. You know, you can go from horrible to bad, from bad to okay, from okay to good and from good to great and even from great to excellent sometimes with just a couple of tweaks and so I feel like that's that's time well spent for me. And um, I also I also enjoy doing job search coaching, just tricks and strategies. I think it's because I'm I'm bossy and I like to tell people what to do, right? <laughs> Rather than you know your traditional coach who just is mostly a good listener and asking questions and pulling things out of people. So this suits my personality. And if you do the same thing over and over and over again, right, you get good at it. And so I really, I really enjoy that. I have, uh, I, I outsource resume writing and assessments and, and, you know, the deeper side of, of career counseling. When somebody comes to me and says, gosh, I really want to get out of my field. I'm like, let me point you to Jeff, <laughs> right? Let me, right. <laughs> so, you, you know, that's the nice thing is that we get to specialize and find um, with all careers, right? Get on the right bus and then find the right seat. So true. And, you know, you talked about the typical coach who basically, I don't want to say they're passive, but the coach training basically says, you have all the answers. And in job search and interviewing, that's not true. Right. But people (laughs) think it's all common sense, but I think people often under, some people underestimate the amount of common sense that they have. Right. (laughs) They're also not the most coachable clients. (laughs) And I find they come to me because they want answers to their Exactly. They want a model to work with that's going to get them the results that they want. And they're figuring it out on their own. They're up against roadblocks and they're hitting their head against the wall. And they're, you know, like a bird going, help me, help me. (laughs) 
Well, but for me, I find I, I make have the biggest impact. I am most helpful for people who either have bombed job interviews and who are just getting desperate or somebody who keeps coming in second or third, but never first. Or, of course, somebody who has a high stakes interview coming up with a fang or, you know, a job that they really, really want. So those are the three types of people who are the most open to input and easiest to work with and who will make the biggest improvement in their in, in, in their ability to integrate well. So let's start diving in. OK, so what do you find people do? What do people do wrong people everything i know everything no 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 i mean i think the first thing is right the assumption that just because you're a good conversationalist and you know how to have good conversations that it makes you automatically a good interviewee there's an art to it and um obviously preparation you know deep dive into research don't just go to the website of the company Dig deeper. If you have ability to get into Dun & Bradstreet, find out about, about their finances and their competitors and just really, really become an expert in the company you're interviewing with. Um, I'm going to ask you the trick question here. Yeah. Why? Why does Why it matter that I do that? Okay, well, so you want to build rapport, right? A, you want to, you want to, A, it makes you feel better. It makes you feel confident when you feel prepared, not just about your own stuff, about them. You come across as intelligent. Also, you know, as you want to show somebody who prepares and is knowledgeable and who did the work and, and to demonstrate, I care about this interview enough that I spent a couple of hours being prepared. And so they also, they can ask better questions, right? You know, I've, I've, I've heard of people asking, so what exactly do you do here? It's just like, what a waste of time, right? So that's Bizarre. right. Right. So that's the first one, not being prepared. Um, and again, I focus mostly on behavioral questions, um, telling stories that don't have a positive result. Right. You know, you want to make sure that when you tell a story that it demonstrates you either increased revenue for the company you decreased expenses, you created efficiencies and save time or creative harmony. Sometimes um, stories can have more than one component in them. If your story doesn't have one of those four end results, it's not impressive, right? I want you to repeat them again, okay? Okay, so the first one is, have you made money for the company? Ideally, always like it with a resume, you want to throw some numbers in there. Increased revenue in the first year by 10% or by 10 million. The more, quanti the more you can quantify it, the more powerful it, it's going to be. Were you able to save the money? You know, reduced expenses in this department by 10% in the first three months, right? Created efficiencies. Cut the time down for this process by from, from a month to a week. That's really impressive. And the fourth one, create harmony. Can you tell a story where there was a really, really difficult manager who was hated by everybody and, and you were able to figure out why they are that way, get along with them, and then coach your coworkers and how to interact with, person, with a person so that projects run more smoothly. All of those things are right impressive. So you want to impress the interviewer with a good result. Interesting. Um, so we have the not be ready with stories, not having done research. Folks, we're going to do a deeper dive into stories in a minute. But I want to get a couple more because, you know, I do a lot of interview coaching as well. Yeah. And I like to hear what other people do. You know, yeah. it's helpful to me as well. Absolutely. 
So what other mistakes do people tend to make? They forget to mention the hardship. I find that that is, um, you know, in your in your interview with Mr. David Watt, what, what, um, you talked about, you know, star and soar and par, et cetera, et cetera. I find that in order to be truly memorable and really impress people, right? Behavior interviewing questions are all aimed at finding out your soft skills. And a huge soft skill that I wanna have if I'm hiring an employee is, are they good problem solver? How do they deal with adversity? How do they, how much grit do they have? What's their influence management? So a lot of people, when they interview, gloss over the difficulties and they say, well, this was the situation. And then I did this and this and this and this. And as a result, blah. And it's boring, right? And it's not impressive. You don't really get the juicy soft skills out of that. And um, when I coach my clients, I said, please, bring me the suffering, tell me the hardship, tell me about all the problems you had to overcome, your budget was slashed, your coworker had to go on medical leave, you had a really, you, somebody was sabotaging you. Um, I had one candidate that I coached and he went in an interview and he called me the next day. He said, wow, Christine, he said, it was incredible. The interview was kind of rolling along and the interviewer was just kind of leaning back and asking questions. And then when they asked me a behavior interview question and I said, oh, and the problems we encounter, he said, the interviewer physically leaned forward and was wrapped with attention because suddenly People love drama and that's what will make you stand out from the other candidates. And then you can show your super skills, superhero skills, and then pr produce the great result. But if you gloss over the hardship, you're doing yourself a disservice. There's a, an interview I did uh, last year, I believe. It's, it's called, There Are Stories and Then There Are Stories. And he writes for TV. So if you think about the model uh, for mm -hmm. TV, there's always some crisis that occurs. Mm -hmm. And the world is about to be destroyed. Like I used to you know, joke with friends of mine uh, that most movie plots were developed by software because they're so predictable. Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's having a good time and suddenly the world is going to end. Mm -hmm. And our heroes get into the spaceship, fly, and of course there's a problem on the ship at some point. And the female scientist and the male goon uh, suddenly <laughs> are going to be attracted to one another. It used to be the other way around. It used to be the male scientist, but no matter. Uh, these days, it's the female scientist and the male goon uh, are going to be attracted to one another, and they're going to persevere and save the planet. Almost dying in the process at least once. And at the end, it's like a James Bond movie where he and the girl would invariably wind up in the raft. Right, right. And so, after. so we want to have stories that really touch the emotional heartstrings yeah. of people yeah. wherever we can, because yeah. those really make a difference. Yeah, you want the person to say, wow, that sounds really, really hard. And then and then when they listen to how you solved it, they, they want to, you want to impress them with how you overcame hardship. Right? right. It's like every story we read to kids. It's a fairy story. Once upon a time, okay. you were assigned to a group. And yeah. in this group, there were 18 people, four of whom were competent. <laughs> That's hilarious. And 
you, know, you took over from a manager who left suddenly yeah. the project was three months late and you had to get it delivered on time in the next 45 days exactly we want to hear that you're they want to hear that you're resourceful and, and you know because I, usually behavior interview questions ideally come towards the end after which it's already been established that you're you know you've answered the technical question that you've established that you're smart and competent and know your stuff and the behavior interview stories, in addition to just soft skills, also then allow you to talk about what tactics you've used, right? What, 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 and then sometimes saying, oh my God, I had no idea what to do. And then I did some research and I figured I found this great program here that blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it, it shows your thinking and, and how, how resourceful you are. And that's what you want in any employee, no matter what the level, right? And one of the fun things, I happen to write an article about this today, it'll be out tomorrow, about dealing with fear as a leader. Because normally when you're stepping into situations like that, there's some version of the crisis. That's really what we're talking about in terms of obstacles that yeah. take place. There's a crisis that causes everyone to be afraid this thing is blown. And that's the way you tell the story, is to illustrate you know, the crisis that took place. And then from there, how you were the hero who rode in on the horse, <laughs> brought the cavalry 60 minutes later, the cavalry showed up. Geez, seems like everything's okay. Right. Yeah, you're well, late. I not, handled everything. Yeah. And, or not. Or, it was, or one can say, well, okay, I've been holding this together, and I'm so glad the cavalry has arrived. Now let's together take it to the end, right? Also, you know, another mistake that people made. Either they, either they talk about we as a team, we as a team, we as a team, and, and I cannot tell as the listener what was your part or I, 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 I. So you want to make sure that when you tell your stories, you say, you know, my team and this and this, and this is what I did, and this is what we did to so have, uh, have both um, to make sure that, that it's understood that you work with others as well, right? There's, lone rangers don't do too well in corporations. Uh not at certain levels they don't it's the way people ascend most of the time as being long rangers but they get to a level it's really about how you inspire teams to do great work well but even software engineers they have regular meetings where they have to figure out together you know who's working on what and what are you doing and where you're stuck and what we're going to do even 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 in those jobs you're you know mm -hmm. no, no no person is an island right so let's talk, use an example of stories in the, and how you do a framework uh, for folks in telling a story. So I'm going to toss the baton to you. You're in charge of telling people how to construct the stories. Yes. And, um, and I was just listening to your, the interview you did with David Watts about, um, and, you, and you actually parsed out that right there's the STAR method, method there's the SOAR method, and that the, there's the PSR or the PAR method and i found that interesting uh i tend to go for the soar or the par methods only and i'll spell those out um but i you you um did a great job saying you know if you're at this level you use this etc cetera, etc cetera. so the star method stands for a situation ta tactic uh, or situation task is it task. tends to be situation or task action yeah. result action so, it's, result. Mm -hmm. so it's geared towards staff people primarily mm -hmm. Yeah, now, Amazon likes this framework, yeah. and that's the exception where they want it associated with everything. Google, think, Google as well. I have I have uh, candidates who were told by Google before the interview, please be prepared to 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 tell your stories using the star format. 
I prefer like, so what I was talking about earlier about the hardship, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, mostly it's the SOAR method, the, the situation, obstacles, um, action and result. And then we also, and then the shorter version of that is PAR, the problem, or PSR, problem, solution, result. I mean, they're all similar, but, you know, as we, as we talked about a couple of minutes ago, you really don't want to gloss over the obstacle part because um, you're missing something. It's juicy, that. The juicy, right? It's, it's, it's context, so they understand you know, what it was that you really did and the hardships that you faced. Yeah, so, so when somebody calls me and says, oh my God, I need help, I've been bombing interviews, what I do is on the phone first, you know, I, in the, during the free consultation, I explain all of this to them. I said, please prepare five stories. And um, so here comes the other kicker. As you're preparing your stories, um, you, start, you start with your biggest successes. So I have them think about the five biggest career successes they've had. And it doesn't have to be recent. It can be 10 years ago or 15 years ago, but tell me about a huge success in your career. And then let's roll it backwards because there, were, there was hardship in there. There were obstacles and problems in there. And then you parse that out and then afterwards you you you're on your you know online you know, on a piece of paper or in a computer you then write what was the situation what was where the obstacles what did you and your team do and what was that result you know the make money save money create efficiencies and um and create uh, and create harmony and then afterwards and then i asked them what soft skills are you demonstrating here and what behavioral questions could this story be answering, right? Is this a story about, tell me about a time you had a difficult coworker, a difficult manager, a difficult, uh, where uh, there was a breakdown in a project where you made a mistake, or my favorite, you know, I do love in the interview when somebody asks, tell me about your biggest career success, because that, right, that shows, you know, that get that it's a great question because it allows the person to talk about their biggest triumph and they get to light up. And, and you want to hear that somebody had an outstanding success. So then, then so I have my um, clients write out a, a couple of stories like that. And then in our a Zoom session, I say, okay, I'll throw a question at them and then have them tell me their story. And then I said, okay, perfect. So what went really worked really well was this, 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 and this, but let's tweak this. Let's, let's, I want, give me more hardship or, you know, let's quantify the results. And then afterwards, after our session, we do that with a couple of questions and then they go home and then they have enough information that they can continue creating more stories and fine tuning the stories. And then we meet again and we'll keep practicing until either they have it in their body or they have an interview and they, and they land the job. Often after just a session or two, I get an email saying, I got the job. And you know, that's, that's what makes our hearts sing. You betcha. And I want to couple this part with some of the work that I do, which is I believe that most job descriptions are 80% accurate because no one ever takes the time to update them. Right. So with that, when you arrive at an interview, whether in person or Zoom or however, I believe that you start off the interview by saying, hey, thanks so much for making time to meet with me. You know, I recall the position description, but I want to get your take on the role. Could you tell me about the job as you see it and what I could do to help? Brilliant. And, and thus you hear about what their thoughts are about the job at the beginning of the interview. 
Yes. So everything is about connecting the dots with what they're looking for. And that includes your stories, which you can have prepared. But mm -hmm. folks, you got to be able to think on your feet, mm -hmm. especially those of you who are aspiring to leadership or who are in leadership. So in Christine's approach, which I use as well, by the way, you know, the idea is once you have what they're looking for, now you're going to adapt the story to connect the dots for them. And the yeah. less you make them work to figure out how you've done what they need you to do, the yeah. more likely you are to get hired. Absolutely. And what is so awesome about Zoom interviews is you can tape a cheat sheet with a heading of your stories right next to the computer screen so that you don't, you'll have deer in the headlight moments. So if somebody asks you a difficult question, you can just look to the right and go, ah, I can tell this story now. So it makes it so much easier than having to do that live in the moment across a table. You betcha. I tell people, this is one of the few times I tell people buy sticky notes, because if I put my finger over the camera, you can see my finger. But if I yeah. put it to the right, where I tell people put a sticky note, or to the left, you can't see that my finger's there. Yeah. Uh, and thus, that's where the sticky notes go. So you don't even have to break eye contact to look down or to the side. You just basically are switching over slightly and yeah. you know getting the note in front of you to be able yeah. to see um, what your answer should be. Or you can even like right now I have, the Zoom doesn't fill my screen. It just it fills up one third in the middle. You can even have a document on both sides right. squeezed together and have it typed out. And then you can even get even more information on there and it's nice and clean and tidy. So so I love Zoom interviews um, because that way you can, it just makes it easier to, to because people are, you know, you're nervous and, and sometimes our brains go blank. And if you're dealing with one of those old fashioned firms that wants to do it by phone. Even better. It's best of all because they can't see you. Now, however, is your voice is your sales tool. And thus, if your voice can't sound flat and monotone. It has to be passionate and engaged and excited. And you have to sound like an actor on the stage or on the screen because you're selling your lines. Absolutely. And, and trying to be personally persuasive in, in communicating with people. Yeah, so, so don't over caffeinate, right? <laughs> Just, you know, make sure you're grounded. Make sure if you're super nervous, you walk around the block before the interview so that you can come to center and just kind of, you know, calm down. I'll tell people to go to the gym beforehand, get on a treadmill or elliptical, get a run in, do something um, that, you know, gets your heart rate going, but also doesn't give you the caffeinated edge exactly. before the interview. Yeah. Can I answer, um, go back to your question, what are some things people do wrong? Of course. Right. Tell me so, so you and I are both strong personalities. We are not passive people. So for us, it's natural that if somebody were to, if we were to, if somebody were to interview us mm -hmm. for a job, we wouldn't just passively sit there and answer the questions, right? Uh, like what you said earlier that, you know, the first question you ask is, tell me about the job description, you know, how do you see the job? I always, if, you know, you have to use your, your also your intuition. Some, some interviewers want to be in charge and they only have 20 minutes and they have like 20 questions to get through. So it's, so, so you, in that case, you do have to just comply and just go with it. But if it's a little bit more easygoing, um, 
make it a conversation, make it a two-way street, because it is a two-way street, right? And you want to get as much information out of them as they want to as they want to get out of you. And so whenever I get asked a question as a job seeker, that usually prompts me to then ask a question back. You know, I think the most number one most important question people need to ask is what are the biggest challenge for your department right now? What, what are the biggest challenges? Ideally, you already know about the biggest challenges of the company because if it's a larger company, then right, you, we know what the Tesla's biggest challenges are right now. But <laughs> it's a smaller company, it's harder. So I just, um, a couple of days ago in my newsfeed, I found a great article, 20 great job interview questions to ask the interviewer. And I thought that was just brilliant. We don't spend enough time preparing for the interview and thinking about what questions we can ask. And so that took some of the, you know, having to brainstorm out of it, but make sure you ask, don't wait until the very end to ask questions. See if you can, if, if, and get permission from the interviewer to, to make it turn into dialogue and get your questions in as you're talking about a particular subject, because uh, it, A, it's much more natural, and B, um, it shows how engaged and interested you are. I think when most people interview, there's a distinct power differential that exists where they have all the information and you're the supplicant. Right. And I know asking my opening question levels the playing field because suddenly you have information that you'd mm -hmm. normally get in a typical interview at the end where they go, so do you have any questions for us? And of course, you're gonna ask about the job then. Yeah. Uh, when it's too late to do anything with that information anyway. Yeah. So uh, I think my approach to this is designed to level the playing field and to turn it into a conversation instead of like the salesperson walking in with their, I'm gonna make this like Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman. Yeah. So uh, let me open up my briefcase and sell you everything I've gotten there. Oh, you don't <laughs> need thread? No, okay, look, how about cloth? <laughs> But yes. instead, you're doing what good salespeople do these days, and that is, tell me about what you need, what you're, what you're looking for, let's do yeah. requirements gathering, so that yeah. this way you can tailor your answers and talk about what you've done that matters to them, and not mm -hmm. just talk about what you've done, which is yeah. two different things. Yeah. And asking upfront, how much time do we have? And also getting a sense, right? And I you know that might be a maturity thing. A friend of mine got trapped. She was giving really great answers, long answers, and, and asked lots of questions. And afterwards, she got the interviewee was a young, young kid, completely green behind uh, their ears. And he, he was the pre-qualifier. And, um, and he said, sorry, um, you didn't pass this phase because I had 30 questions I needed to get through, but you talked so long that I only got through my 15 questions. I'm like, well, why didn't you say so? Right? It's like, that's a bad interviewer mm -hmm. set expectation at the beginning, but also as the interview, my, my friend learned from that to ask better questions at the beginning and to have a sense what, what is the interviewer's agenda and also understanding the different phases, interview phases, right? If you're is it a pre-screen? Is it a very short pre-screen interview over the phone? Well, you you're not going to be talking about your difficult manager, and you're you're gonna the conversation with the recruiter is going to be different and shorter than the actual conversation with the hiring manager, and you're going to ask different questions of team members than you would of the of the VP. So just being mindful of this, the various levels of interviewers that you're going to encounter and being mindful about about that, but. Just ask, people will tell you. 
I, I think with Zoom interviews, it's easy because you're scheduled for a certain amount of time. You've mm-hmm. gotten the calendar invite. It says nine to nine thirty. You know, yeah. it's a thirty-minute interview, and yeah. with uh, the screener, the corporate recruiter, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've got a checklist of things that the hiring managers told them to check off. I guess. Have you done this? Yes. How would you go about it? Sixty-second mm-hmm. answer tops. Right. Have you done that? No. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Have you done this? Yes. Okay. Keep going. And. I, I'm a believer that you try to keep the interview interactive. Uh, so yep, a minute, to maybe a minute 15. Mm-hmm. If you slip, no more than a minute 30, because no one has an attention span for more than that. Oh my God, when you see the person's eyes rolling to the back of their head, stop, right? <laughs> right? Pay, it, well, pay attention, read body language. If their eyes glaze over and you spot that look <laughs> in their mouth like they've just stifled the yawn, shift in the chair. Tell them about problems. Change the energy in the room and yeah. tighten things up because you've been talking much too much. Yeah. Ask a question, right? That immediately, you know, Tony Robbins induce a state change if it's not if the if the emotions in the room, if, if the other person is, is is becoming catatonic find a way to change their state and, and, and jar them and, and, you know, ask them a question that'll wake them up. That's a fun approach. I have to do something. The Tony Robbins methods of interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, go get him. Yeah. That'd right? be a fun way of a fun approach to uh, a topic. Anyway, what else haven't we covered yet that we really should in storytelling and behavioral interviews and things that people do wrong? I think we may have hit it. Well, obviously the obvious one, follow up with a thank you email, right? Mm-hmm. To everybody, you know, you know, email, you know, you, you want to make sure everybody's included in that. And also as your last question, ask about what is the process? What is the rest of the interviewing process? Um, what are the next steps so that you're not you're not like sitting at the edge of the street at uh, the seat. They they already know that they have three more uh, candidates to to uh, to talk to, and that their goal is to take the next I mean, maybe to 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 not interview for another week or two, et cetera, et cetera. They already have a sense, but they might not. They might forget to tell you. Always ask what's what are the next step, and to and to get permission. If I have not heard from you in a week, may I check in? Right. Because then if you get permission from them, they and they usually will say, oh, of course. And, you know, it's like, well, should I talk to the recruiter? What, how, should, how should I contact you? Right. That's the sales technique. Always, um, always, always get permission to check in if you haven't heard back. And people either are shy about it. There's so much ghosting going on in both directions right now. So if you have permission, people are shy that, you know, my, my candidates call me and they're like, I haven't heard in two weeks. What should I do? I'm like, well, call the recruiter, right? Call the recruiter and and leave one message, email them. And then if, if they don't answer, you know, stay on it first every three days and then every week, et cetera, et cetera. Don't become a total nuisance because they are often getting ghosted by the, sometimes they get ghosted by the hiring manager, but um, right, take the power back and ask them, what is the rest of the process? Um, one of my candidates was interviewing with a super amazing um, high-tech company and they had the process 
online and you can see five candidates in the first round, four candidates the next, et cetera. This is where you are, et cetera. And so she could go on to the system every day and could see when people got eliminated. And she made it to the very second to last round and then she got eliminated, but it was very glasnost. It was completely, the process was so transparent. And that was so helpful because it's nerve wracking, right? It's it's interviewing, it's, there's so, so much at stake that I'm hoping companies will eventually kind of wake up to the two. If I am interviewing somewhere and it is a traumatic, horrible experience, frankly, if I can, I'll walk away from that, right? And if and tell even, at least 20 people what a bad experience you had. Absolutely. And if the hiring manager is unpleasant, I don't want to work for them. Right. So, so, right. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a job seekers job market right now. So, you know, I think I'm hoping that em employers start waking up to the fact that if, you know, just it goes both ways. Right. right. And for me, by the way, I do that question about stay, uh, where we are in the process, what the process is like, I do that as my next to last question. Mm -hmm. uh, so when they, uh, when they ask, so do you have any questions for us? The next to the last question is, could you give me a sense of what your timeline is for next steps and what I might hear back? And I tell folks, you know, you, there tend to be three responses. The first one is, I've got 20 more people to talk to. We'll be back in touch when hell freezes over. You know, <laughs> that's one level. The second one is, I'd expect early part of next week, which is okay. Mm -hmm. So if I haven't heard from you by Wednesday, Thursday, is it okay if I follow up? And there's two responses to that, which is wait, which tells you <laughs> you didn't do quite that well, but that's yeah. a signal to you because uh, otherwise they'd say, sure, no problem. And the third response that you might get is, I expect the early part of next week, you'll hear from HR, they'll want to schedule you back to meet so-and-so and so-and-so. The more specificity you get, the more likely they're interested. And then the final question I have people ask is, is there anything that you've heard or not heard that gives you reason to question whether I'm qualified to do this? Wow. Which, which gives people one last cut mm -hmm. at dispelling any erroneous assumptions that a firm is making. Because sometimes... Again, I work with the assumption that uh, hiring managers are not all that skillful at interviewing. Right. And There's ample right. proof to that, but I know they're not all that skillful. So sometimes they ask a question, especially with the tech firms, that lends people to think the answer is in one direction and they wanted something different. So that question, is there anything that you've heard or not heard? that gives you reason to question whether I'm qualified. That's a great question. Gives them an opportunity to open up and say, damn, I didn't really hear a lot about such and such mm -hmm. in your background. Yeah, but well, which, you want to flush out the concerns. If, if you have a way of flushing out their concerns, then um, that- Gives you one last shot at- Exactly. Um, can I do one, can I point out one more thing? Sure. We have time, thank you. Um, make the recruiter your friend, right? Because they are either, if they love you, they will go to bat for you. If they don't like you, the buck stops right there. They, they want to get people placed quickly because they, especially right now in the large corporations, they're, they're trying to get 
hundreds of positions filled sometimes. So they want a, they they want a successful placement quickly, and and they hate it when when hiring managers suddenly get you know disappear, et cetera, et cetera. So they are the liaison between you and the hiring manager, and and it's okay to make requests of the recruiter. So I had one candidate, and he was interviewing with the hiring manager and the hiring manager was super rude. He was driving and so he wasn't visible on Zoom and it was just really awkward. He was distracted. Then he walked into his house and my candidate thought that the first thing he's gonna do is go to his computer and turn on Zoom, but he didn't do that either. And afterwards the candidate came to me and he called me. He says, I don't want the job that was so rude. I said, well, but do you love the company? He says, I so love the company, but I don't want to work for this person. So I said, well, give it a, let, let's see what happens. So um, they loved him. The, the hiring manager loved him and he met with a team via Zoom. And instead of 30 minutes, they spent two hours talking with a candidate and talking about picking his brain and talking about challenges and brainstorming and finding solutions. And he got contacted by the recruiting manager, by the recruiter, and it was said, they want to hire you. And he called me, he said, I don't want the job. The, the hiring manager's a jerk. I said, okay. I said, so let's, let's make the assumption that maybe he was having a bad day. Let's say there was a crisis at home and he had to rush, leave the office and rush home and deal with the crisis. And that's, and he should, and if that's true, he should have told you, but he just didn't tell you. And, and give him one more benefit of the doubt if you love the team and the company so much. So he, I recommended that he asked the recruiter to meet with the hiring manager one more time. He loved him. You never make a marriage decision based on one date. He loved him. He was on Zoom. They had a great conversation. And I was, my instinct was right. He was having a crisis, dealing with a crisis. And six months later, he's still loving the job. So um, talk to the recruiter and say, look, this is my concern. And can, can, we, can, can I have another shot with that one person? Absolutely. Christine, this is fabulous. I know we could go on for a long time. I know. <laughs> How can Thank people you. find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Thank you. So my website is christinecampbellcareers.com, everything with a C. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, if, you, if, you, if you Google Christine Campbell interview coach, um, you can find me right there. I'm teaching a, web, a free webinar on March 26 um, at 9.30 Pacific time. All the things that we just talked about, but in greater detail, it's, um, you know, with slides and everything. So if you're interested in participating in that, um, find me on LinkedIn and send me a message or find me through my website, send me an email and I will send you the Zoom link. Fabulous. Christine, thank you. And folks, we'll be back soon with more. I'm Jeff Alpin, The Big Game Hunter. Hope you enjoyed the interview. If you're watching on YouTube, click the like button, subscribe to my channel, do something that lets people know that it was worthwhile. If you're doing this in the podcast version of it, much the same thing. Share it, leave a comment, do something. Also, visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us. I've got thousands of posts there in the blog that you can watch, listen to, or read that will help you. And that will help you with job search, hiring more effectively, management, leadership, and dealing with different workplace issues. Also, visit the courses page that I have there. The courses are terrific. More are going to be added very soon. And, you know, they're very inexpensive, like $15 expensive. So 
purchase courses, it'll save you a lot of time. And of course, at the site, you can schedule time for free discovery call or schedule time for coaching with me. Lastly, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter.